0: I'm joined today by somebody very special and very close to my heart. I think it's long overdue that she comes on this podcast. Hi, Liz. Hi, Tom. How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you doing?
0: I'm, I'm okay. I'm a little bit cramped. This isn't possibly the best recording environment. Um, for those of you so you can build a mental image, we are in my room. Um, <laughs> we've got my desk. We've got this iPod clamp um, stuck on the table so I can kind of see my screen. And then we've got a garden table in my room and Liz's office chair so that we can try and sort of like have a little bit of separation between the microphone so we don't pick up echo it's um resourceful it's, <laughs> <laughs> yes we'll we'll use the term resourceful um anyway yeah so we've got you on today to talk a little bit about yourself and more specifically your life as a computer nerd, I guess, really.
1: <laughs> That's um, the official term, it's on my CV and everything now.
0: It should be, yeah. Right, so first of all, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Um, Sure, so I'm 21, I've been interested in gadgets, computers, anything electronic for pretty much the whole of my life now. Uh, I'm studying computer science at Brunel University, just got out of a year of uh, work placement on industry, heading back to my final year. Almost finished. Almost done. Um. Yeah, I'm also an avid gamer. I like, or I'm trying to start programming games in my own time. A lot of my life is now focused around programming and coding.
0: Cool. So you've actually touched on a lot of things that we're going to sort of pick up in more detail there. (laughs) But um, first off, what does studying computer science actually involve? What are you doing at university?
1: There are a variety of sectors of computer science that you can kind of go into. Um, For me personally, it's all software-based it's probably the easiest way to split it and therefore i don't really deal with the physical electronics most of what i'm doing is based around literally typing lines of code the programming that gets into it and as a result most of what i'm doing is dealing with data developing programs but i don't actually make any of the physical gadgets and devices
0: so you write the underlying code that runs the devices yeah the gadgets okay um and you said that you've just come off a of work placement. Yes, yeah, so
1: Black Eye Technology, nice little startup company.
0: What was your job title? I know you're proud of it.
1: <laughs> is is this the time for me to lie on a podcast? Yeah. I, am a, I was a junior software developer.
0: Okay, and that was, I assume, just using your skills in coding in a professional industry environment.
1: Yes, actually, I found that a lot of my skills in coding essentially had to be torn down and rebuilt from the ground up when you pick up some very bad habits, just doing it in your own time as a hobby. Uh, There's so much I've learned having been in a professional environment. It was a brilliant experience. But yes, most of, in fact, everything I did was just on a computer, researching, writing the code, testing it out. But it all kind of came down to writing it.
0: Okay. Um bad habits (laughs) you say that you pick up bad habits but is it not the case that as you become more comfortable in a work environment you actually develop more bad habits and little lazy shortcuts or are you saying that's how you start off and then you grow to code more professionally
1: when i was working at university in my solo projects or anything i was doing in my spare time i generally found that if it worked that was fine. That was good enough. It, 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 it didn't matter if it worked nine, you know, nine, nine out of 10 times. That one time it had a horrible bug that broke your computer. You know, so long as it just worked and worked when I showed it to somebody, that was probably good enough. Uh, as soon as I hit into um, into a workplace environment, I found that it just working wasn't enough because people had to update your code. It may not work on another computer. You're working with a team who would also like to be able to read your code, <laughs> Um, As a result, you find that you working in your bedroom, you can do amazing things. But if you want to work as part of a team, there are a few, let's say, coding standards it's probably worth picking up and sticking to. Clean code. Yes, clean code. Good (laughs) old Uncle Ben.
0: (laughs) Uncle Ben? Uh,
1: Yes, inside the Java language, um, there's an author, Robert C. Martin. And he's made some amazing books and comments about how you should be writing your code in terms of quality and standards essentially a practice that just makes it easier for everybody to read okay um yeah and in the coding community we call him uncle bob
0: <laughs> you said ben a minute ago did i yeah
1: oh my apologies
0: uncle ben the famous rice maker or <laughs> uncle ben peter parker's sure
1: uncle ben and uncle luxury. bob love to share secrets you know it's mm. i think once you're at that level <laughs>
0: <laughs> all uncles share secrets oh
1: yeah <laughs> Yes. Yeah
0: don't get any ideas people um, so <laughs> I'm going to have to cut that out
1: uh, <laughs> are you sure you want to? No,
0: I don't know <laughs> it depends how lazy I'm feeling anyway um, so you said at the beginning that you've always been interested in computers and code can you sort of give us the background how did that all sort of start and manifest itself
1: are going to start a live story?
0: <laughs> uh, if you can keep it brief then
1: yes um, it probably first started, um, I was relatively young, so young that I couldn't really play computer games by myself. We, As a family we had one computer um, between everybody and me, my sister and my dad used to play adventure games, like little point and click games. Monkey Island was of course the favourite, good old fan favourite. And I realised that I would go to school and tell all of my friends about how funny this game was and how awesome it was and nobody had heard of it. And after doing a bit of research, even in, even in my younger years, I realised that a lot of people had kind of heard of it, but it was becoming a very niche genre. And I thought to myself, how awesome would it be for me to be able to make these kind of games, something that's funny, can be played with the family. You know, we, we had so much fun and enjoyed it that it, it would be nice to make that and share it with my kids.
0: Hmm. OK, so you sort of jumped ahead to another question I was going to ask um games in your childhood that's sort of games in your childhood that you can attribute to your interest in technology monkey islands obviously oh this one. could be
1: longer than my life story
0: <laughs> <laughs> so obviously we've talked about monkey island is that generally a um lucas
1: yes interest? LucasArts. Uh, Mon- monkey island was definitely the first one for me i went through the whole series even when telltale took over i had to try that and they they did the series justice definitely um, the other games I got into were the Tekken fighting games, Dragon Ball Z fighting games, because when we finally got a console, it was the only kind of game me and my sister could comprehend. We weren't very good at anything else, but mashing buttons and, you know, half the time you'd win was a was a pretty good chance for us. <laughs> you mentioned your sister
0: she's also been on voice uh yeah she has yeah um and she's actually studying game design uh yeah if i remember correctly studying game design why did you decide to go into actually coding rather than designing (laughs) games
1: probably up until my a levels i was kind of torn as to which path to go down i definitely wanted to focus around games But it was very difficult for me to make that decision of, well, I could go into art and be more creative and express myself because, well, because back then I thought I could draw. Um, Or on the other hand, I could kind of go down the path of actually physically coding it, making it. I went through the choices of what would make me happier, what would pay more, what had a better career chance. Um, But in the end, it came down to how I felt about the subjects at the time. I like the idea of being in maths, science and computing because whenever I did a test or had a test or something as like an assessment, I like the idea that you were either right or wrong. I think that's probably a very deeply embedded engineering trait, um, whereas if I was to take art, how well I did um, to a certain extent was almost dependent on the people that were grading you whereas two plus two will always equal four, and I'll always get that right on my maths question.
0: Fair enough. Let's hope. Uh, You mentioned employability. Are you suggesting that as a coder you are more employable than your sister who's an artist?
1: (laughs) She's going to listen to this.
0: (laughs) Is she? She won't listen to anything else after she hears your answer.
1: I think it's difficult to say. It totally comes down to what kind of person you are and the kind of talent you have. But you know what? I think we need more engineers, programmers, people that are technically minded. We're moving more and more towards a technology-centred area. I think we're already there now. We're only going to progress. We need more coders. Hmm. Cool. Uh, We're going to touch
0: on that, but just to sort of end the family connection of things. So both you and Sarah um, have chosen quite technology-focused careers. And I was just wondering whether or not you thought that that was a result of your upbringing? Is it something your parents have had an interest in? (laughs) Are your family computer um, literate? Or is this just, like, societally generated? I
1: remember having all of my um, extended family round, because occasionally we do meet up for Christmas and things like that. And it was around the year of my A-levels, and they all asked me what I was doing. And I go, I'm doing maths, further maths, computing, and physics and they go well we definitely know who you're taking after my dad is an electrical engineer and he has definitely influenced us whether he meant to have such a heavy hand in it or not i have no idea but it was just kind of nice thinking that dad is making stuff doing this cool stuff for a living i want to make stuff too
0: awesome do you think he'll be proud of you
1: oh yeah Definitely. He should be. What's there not to be proud of?
0: Well, yeah, exactly. You're going to come out with a first at uni. Yeah,
1: fingers crossed. (laughs) Fingers
0: crossed. I have no doubt that you will. Um, Right, so we will now sort of get to the heavy crux of this conversation. You say that, as a country, we need more coders. Um, Now, obviously, 50% of the world's population is female, yet technology and computing is an area that is traditionally very male-dominated. Um... <clears throat> have you ever found that particularly problematic, like when growing up?
1: Growing up at kind of what age? I found that when I was relatively younger, kind of in middle school, um, I didn't have the opportunity to go into computing and therefore my subjects and my free time was always very maths, physics, science-based. Yeah. Um, and even then, there was quite a heavy focus on it was, it was a male-dominated kind of subject area. I found that it only got worse with computing to the point where I was the only female in my A-level computing class. Um, I think that it is kind of an issue and it kind of comes down to us now or, I guess, females who are already in the industry or are starting to enter the industry to try and make a larger name for themselves and help encourage it to be spread out through younger education. You know, it would have helped for me to have known that there were more female computer scientists out there who are running events or coming into schools to talk because it was always a male.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So um, now that you're older, do you find that you still have that um, issue of inspiration? Are you still finding that there is a lack of female role models? And more generally, are you finding in the sector that as a female, you are maybe disadvantaged or do you find that being female actually benefits you in some ways? Like, is there a um, gender uh,
1: gap? Gap. I find that, now I'm older, there there are definitely more females um, kind of at this level. Again, it's still very heavily male-dominated. Mm. But, you know, even just having a couple more around you does kind of help. Um, for the other half of your question.
0: The other half of my question was... Um, in your work industry, in your work sector, do you find it difficult being a female?
1: I think it totally comes down to the environment. So when I was in A-level and I was the only female there, because there were a couple of guys there who I actually felt quite comfortable around and we became good friends, you 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 don't even notice the gender difference. It's just nice to have somebody there. Um, I did find that when I went to my placement, and again, I was the only female in the office, that maybe because it's a bit more of a professional environment, it is a bit daunting being the only female there. And despite the fact that you do make friends, they almost become professional friends. Mm. Um, And therefore, it is a bit more difficult.
0: Okay. Um, How... Like I, sp- I assume that you feel that that would be resolved just by encouraging more females to actually enter the sector.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's one of these things where, at the moment, we're already starting to increase uh, programming, develop, software development and coding at younger ages. I just think we need to, again, same with sciences, explain the fact that it should be, or we should be aiming to go for a 50-50 gender split.
0: Okay. And what about females like? Is it Marissa Myers who runs Yahoo? Are you aware of that? No, I'm
1: not. (laughs) Uh. So the fact that you just said runs Yahoo means that it's probably not the best role model. (laughs) Uh, She's doing some quite cool stuff
0: like it's not going to save yahoo (laughs) at all like the best thing they did was redesign flickr give everybody a terabyte of data and update their apps and google's just gone and blown it all out of the water with photos
1: photos yeah
0: which is a very snazzy app oh um liz and i sat and watched google I/O together (laughs) the other day and we're just nerding out um actually yeah quick deviation biggest um biggest or most exciting news that came from google I/O. what do you think
1: It's a hard split because, I'm not going to lie, what they've done with photos has been absolutely amazing. Uh, But personally, the little nerd of me and the person that kind of sides with education a bit more says that them using Google Cardboard, their literal virtual reality headset you can make at home, um, introducing that into classrooms to get virtual reality tours and field trips is absolutely brilliant. What kid wouldn't have wanted that as a child? And it just makes learning so much more interactive and interesting. And all you need is a phone and a bit of cardboard. Mm. I, I personally think that's brilliant <laughs> and probably it's probably would side with that.
0: It is really cool. Um to give a little bit more context to this, um the project is called Expeditions and it runs off Google's virtual reality thing, which as Liz said is Google Cardboard and basically they ship you a box to your school and inside there is like a number of phones and uh, the virtual cardboard headsets which is literally as the name implies just a bit of cardboard that you slot your phone into and then a tablet that the teacher can control the phones with and the students sit there they put their headsets on or I think they actually hold them up I don't think there is a strap I
1: don't think there's a strap, there's but, not if, a strap. but if you have an elastic band mm. this, right?
0: <laughs> yeah they um, apparently didn't put a strap on because of um, it's uh, it's something to do with the speed in which you move your head is slower than the speed in which you move your body so it provides a smoother experience if you're moving your head around rather than moving your whole body because apparently you can move your body five times faster than you can move your head or something like that i can't remember exactly but either way yeah so the teacher controls all of these mobile phone devices and you can go on virtual tours in pat like france or italy or at a barrier reef or you can roam around mars and the moon they are just so cool so i actually um i'm probably in agreement with you that uh the stuff they're doing with VR which was actually just like a 20% project started last year by Googlers so um people in Google they get 20% of their work time to just dedicate to a certain project or whatever of their own devices and um, somebody created cardboard and they gave it away last year and people were just thinking "Eh, it's quite cool but whatever and then this year they've sort of hit at it hard and are now bringing it to an educational environment which I think is just awesome it is really, really cool. Um so yeah. I think yeah. when
1: you kinda of come across things like that, it makes you proud to be in that kind of industry.
0: It's really cool. It w- I think it has I think you you're right in saying that it really does have the potential to change education. Like, it's so much more engrossing.
1: Not to mention you don't get all that hassle of, can you afford to go on the field trip? Are we going to lose those kids? There's always those two at the back that keep mucking around. Mm. Um, You know what? It's just one really nice way to make the classroom more interactive, more exciting. And I kind of see in education now how many kids struggle to get engaged or to even care.
0: Yeah, no more just whacking in a VCR.
1: Uh, That's <laughs> like, essentially yeah. how I was taught
0: When our schools going to stop <laughs> using VCRs Bill Nye I'm sure is on YouTube We don't need to see videos of him anymore We
1: we we, were probably, we should have been the last generation To even know what an OHP is um, But I saw that more often Than I should have <laughs>
0: uh, We've got OHPs in uni OHP is overhead projector for <laughs> you young people um,
1: <laughs> Back in my day
0: Back in my day we had OHP And it was exciting when there was like I don't think there even was colour OHP, was there?
1: No, but you could get colour pens to yeah. draw on the acetate with. Mm. If you were lucky.
0: <laughs> if your school had like an infinite budget, then you got colour. Um, anyway, deviation aside, <laughs> um, we're going to go back to sort of gender inequality. Okay. And we're going to swing back round to gaming. Because obviously, Gamergate <laughs> and everything has sort of been rumbling now for year, two years maybe uh, well sort of like females and gaming have been rumbling since gaming and females gaming began yeah we're a thing <laughs> um, <laughs> now as a female as a gamer as somebody who codes games in their spare times do you have any strong opinions one way or the other about how things are going the face says yes
1: <laughs> I kind of have to think about this and I have to stop myself from standing up and giving what is essentially a long speech or essay
0: the mic is yours <laughs>
1: I personally feel that it's not just the gender gap, and that as general as, as as general gamers, we actually behave really, really badly online. And I don't know if it's something about the kind of game you're playing, or how worked up you get, or it's the adrenaline boost, but we treat each other really, really badly. Um, in particular, it turns out that if you are of a different gender, or a different race, or a different anything that they will be able to spot over your headset or through a video, whatever, that you will get shouted at for it. And it's just kind of become accepted behaviour as part of the norm. Um, People will be brought up for bad behaviour and trolling, but it's still a massive issue. So I think that, yes, um, if, if you're a female and you're online, you're likely to get abuse. I also think that if you're of a different race, then you're more likely to get abuse. And I think the issue comes down to just how we treat each other online i make a personal effort if i do play online games and to be honest even myself i don't play many now i I do generally try and stay away from certain games Mm. it's just a bit hard to listen to (laughs) (laughs) should should i name shame or am
0: i Uh, (laughs) no depends what you're gonna say you're gonna say cod
1: i don't think i have to say cod
0: (laughs) i don't think anybody has to say cod okay
1: well I'll 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 give you an example um Dragon Age, the the latest Dragon Age game to come out. I tried online multiplayer with that, and there wasn't really any abuse. There are a couple of people that were a bit shouty, fair enough, Um, but I make a personal habit that whenever I do play online multiplayer games, and there are people there that either weren't really speaking much or said something but weren't exactly abusive, that you kind of say, it was really nice playing with you guys, good luck. You know, but generally just trying to be a bit more polite online. And I think that just doing that is a good way to solve it. There are also a few things you can do in terms of diffusing situations. Um, for example, when you kind of um, have a few people saying, oh, we're the weakest member on the team and you're bringing us down, and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. said in the politest way possible. That <laughs> um, actually some of the better ways to diffuse it is to, sorry, other developers, blame the level even if it's not actually level it's a nice way of saying that yes you may be a player that's less experienced or a bit of a noob um but it means that people can get angry at something that isn't other people and yeah. sometimes that's just the better way to deal with it there yeah. are plenty of ways i could write an essay on this <laughs> feel kind of strongly about it now but um
0: Have you thought about maybe writing something for your final year project about the behavior of gamers <sighs>
1: Unfortunately for my final year project I would have to develop a software solution for it mm. and there are only so many things we can cater for in technology but people will always be the weak link.
0: People's ignorance can't oh, yes. be resolved. <laughs> um, do you feel that it's an issue with the genre of games? Do you think, like, you mentioned Dragon Age that's an RPG for example yep. and COD is a first person shoot, the shooter. Um, do you feel that the genre of game makes a difference to how people behave online and do you feel that it's accept- more acceptable more acceptable in some genres, to be a female than it is in others.
1: I I think that there is definitely, definitely a massive gap between the genre that you play and the kind of players, or the players that will say certain things. Yes, 1st person shoot 'em ups are usually the people that get the worst kind of rep for this, but they're also the genre that gets the worst rep in terms of video game is violent and it's ruining your children and, you know, it's... I think people need to sit down, play these games from an honest perspective and think that, yes, this can be beneficial to some people. Um, Yes, it may be a little bit violent, but you know what? It's war. I think it's ridiculous that in some countries you can sign up to the army at 16, but have to be 18 to play COD.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My God. I didn't even ever think of that. Exactly. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but you know that that's not true. Like...
1: Oh yes, Thirdly, yeah. I was going to say, don't get me wrong, I... I um, you go
0: on COD and it's just 13-year-olds.
1: I, I remember helping out and it was something called the maths roadshow because this is the kind of nerd I was. Um, and we would go out into middle schools mm. and essentially give like a nice interactive maths lesson with loads of games and new equipment. And I asked one of the teams to basically come up with a team name and they came up with COD. And I go, oh, that's interesting, does it stand for anything? And they go, oh yeah, cool, do you? We play it all the time. And at this point, I was having to ha- I was having to argue with my dad, telling him that I was old enough to play COD because I must have been maybe 16, 17, something like that. Um, and these little kids in middle school.
0: Oh yeah, and he made you skip that Russia level, uh, yes, that highly he... <laughs> controversial Russian level.
1: Uh, my, my my parents were. I was gonna say I don't want to say strict because you know what? It was the law technically. Mm. Um, and I finally convinced my dad to let me play one of the Call of Duty games on the condition that I skip the airport level where you have to murder a lot of innocent civilians. Um, I always find it interesting when games kind of put it in there, because whenever you have a controversial level like that, part of me now always says, well, it's always just for a bit of publicity, isn't it? Um, But on occasion, you do find a game where sometimes they don't even mean to do it, but they've made a really big controversy or something that's just been brought up in the community. And it's made a really big impact as to how people kind of see life or consider a situation Mm
0: -hmm. i must say like i found um in a really weird way i found that airport scene not that big of a deal because i did play it and i did do the airport scene i didn't find it that big of a deal but um in gta 5 there's a particular scene where you're torturing someone
1: oh yeah
0: (laughs) and i found that surprisingly difficult to stomach like it almost felt unnecessary
1: it's really funny you should say that, because um, I I prob- I don't think I had as much as she. But that's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I feel like a terrible, terrible person. You're a
0: terrible human being, Liz.
1: Yeah, and I must admit, when I was talking to my dad about that cod level, he said that he personally had to hang back a little bit because he felt bad about it. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's a combination between they're doing it just for the controversy and they're doing it to actually have an effect on the player. I mean... Uh, I don't suppose you've heard of the game or that you've heard much about the game Rust.
0: I'm aware of it, yes. Um, I, th-
1: I think it's relatively popular now. Um, but one of the really interesting things about this, and I don't know how much of this was done on purpose, is the fact that there is a wide variety of characters. Hmm. It's um, auto-generated, but it's auto generated. So you have no say as to what race your character are, or what kind of... I don't actually think you start off with any clues in Rust, funnily enough. It's a survival sandbox game, and you literally start off with nothing.
0: Yes, yeah. I have heard of this one, and then you're sort of, like, running around, and you can find packs of people, yeah. and then you're running around, clubbing each other with rocks, and it's basically just, like, the worst of the worst people in society, all ganging up on somebody who's new.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting Lord experience. of the Flies,
0: basically. Yeah,
1: but, but <laughs> There were a lot of incidents with um, people saying that when they tried the game, they were, of course, assigned a race based off... I, th- I think it's based off of your Steam ID. They had no control over it. They couldn't change it. And for the first time, they were receiving racial abuse, racial abuse yeah. because of the character. But, of course, they didn't create their character after themselves. And people saying this is the first time I've ever known what it felt like because, oh, I don't know, I... I I'm a white middle-aged man that usually plays video games. Yeah. Um, for the first time, I was of a different race, and they started shouting this slander at me. Mm. Um, and you know what? Whether they meant it to cause this much disruption or not, for a or lot if of it's people... It's just a visual cue. For a lot of people, this is the first time they ever actually received some hateful comments like that.
0: Hmm. Does it? Do you know whether or not it actually changed their opinion on how they behave? Or...
1: For some people, yeah, some people said that they could not play the game Mm. because they couldn't empathise enough with the character. But I just think that kind of makes the point a bit more because let's say that you are of a minority race, in which case the majority of games that come out don't represent you very well, Mm. in which case that's the way they always feel.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I don't know if you remember um, Assassin's Creed Unity... That really horrific buggy game that we've had some fun trying to play. (laughs) Um, The controversy around that uh, during its pre-launch and actual launch over Ubisoft's decision... Is
1: it Ubisoft? It is Ubisoft, isn't it? Ubisoft,
0: Ubisoft. I think it depends. No, I was just trying to remember whether or not it was the publisher of Ubisoft or was it Activision, but it is Ubisoft. Yeah. Because they didn't include a female character model. Do you find that... um, sexist or do you just think well
1: it's Sophie. a difficult thing to place because occasionally sometimes you think well actually with the storylines and settings and characters it is about right for them to say the chances are they would have all been males yeah. they they could literally have just have said you know what the assassins order at the time all males <laughs> we wrote that in first assassins creed unity we don't fancy changing it they'd get a lot of stick about it yeah but at the end of the day they could say that I think when it comes to females appearing in games, the fact that we have so many games where you can generate your own character now, providing that you have the option to be female, mm. um, is actually quite a nice step. Yeah. Though I do feel as though we are desperately lacking in some good female lead characters yeah, in our games. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I chose to be a female in Destiny.
1: Yeah, a lot of guys do. Yeah,
0: and I rocked <laughs> that look. Um... And I imagine if I ever did get around playing Skyrim, I would be a female and that as well. It's just something different, as well. I've and it doesn't always wondered affect...
1: why guys feel the compulsion to play as. Female I don't know. I suppose in sometimes. some
0: ways, um, for me personally, it's just going against the norm. Like because there's always such an expectation that you have to be male and you have to, like, be this burly superhero character. And it's just like, well, I can do that and still be a female, and it's just it's just different. I guess, which in a way maybe symbolises how um, skewed the gender um, ratio is in games where it's new and exciting that you can be a female character.
1: I was going to say, whenever I get the chance, I usually am a female character just because I don't always get that chance.
0: Yeah, and I suppose it makes it more relatable, but I don't know. Um, oh, you sparked something that I really wanted to talk about and it's completely gone. Female lead characters? Female lead characters, yeah. There have been a couple of games where lead characters have become female, um, although... Gonna, although, what, what, what,
1: I was going to say, are you going to start with Tomb Raider?
0: I Lara wasn't Croft? going to start with Tomb Raider or Lara Croft, actually. I was going to start with The Last of Us. Because you've got Ellie and Joel. Yep. I, don't, I know you haven't played the game, have you? I've,
1: got, I've watched some have watched play-throughs. playthroughs, yeah.
0: So you've got Ellie and Joel, and although you spend a lot of time playing as Joel, you have the opportunity to play as Ellie, and they've made her... Autonomous. She's a she's a very strong female character.
1: But as far as I know, you only get to play her for one level, mm-hmm. and I think there's an expansion pack or a sequel. There is an in which expansion pack which is a
0: prequel. Oh, yeah.
1: my bad. Get with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, even then, she she is an autonomous character, and you mm. only get to play her for one level. She's she's not the lead to she's a certain not the extent.
0: the lead, but her personality. It makes her more relatable and more likeable in some instances than Joel, which, again, is sort of a difference from the norm where the female character is just um, there to be saved,
1: to be wooed. (laughs) But I must admit, there are are a lot of games that are starting to do companions in general Mm. a lot better. And it is very nice to see even some female companions that aren't just there for you to spark up a relationship with, or to be incredibly stereotypical, or just to be large-breasted.
0: Yeah, Bioshock Infinite was quite good in that <laughs> I was going to
1: mention that as well. I absolutely loved having Elizabeth there occasionally commenting on the weird stuff I was doing, um, throwing me health <laughs> packs and things like that. Just being, It was nice to have a helpful companion.
0: Yeah, and the fact that you didn't have to, like... Protect the NPC.
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) Uh, That's always a pain.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the protect the NPC or the escort the NPC levels (laughs) in games, they need to die a death because, my god, they are the worst. Especially when the AI bugs out and they're just (laughs) sort of like stuck on a rock.
1: I was going to say, I think the best way to get around it is to have a half decent AI because, like you said, (laughs) there is nothing worse.
0: (laughs) I'm like, where the hell is he? And he's sort of like walking on the spot because there's a tiny twig or something. And he well, got the worst go part what
1: you think it's just a glitch, all I have to do is just nudge them out the way. Nudge
0: them out the way and, and he <laughs> dies. <laughs> Back to the start with you, yeah. Jesus.
1: Yes, I've played a variety of <laughs> good games and bad games and very, very buggy games.
0: <laughs> Unity, looking at you again. <laughs> oh, how did they screw that up so bad? um anyway we keep getting sidetracked we do we keep getting sidetracked but i think we are like good points are being raised here i think i feel and i hope listening you good. agree <laughs> yes um <clears throat> how do we overcome the stereotype that either women don't game women aren't good at gaming or women don't belong in the uh computer and technology industry this is a big hard-hitting question here
1: yeah how- you really should have sh- Given it to me in three separate questions. Okay. Let me answer, but
0: well, I'll break it down for you then. Um, can the stereotype that women don't belong in gaming or computers be eradicated? Definitely. Okay. Yes. <laughs> My follow-up question is how?
1: For gaming in particular, I think we need a combination of the fact that even among the younger ages, it's starting to get a bit more prominent now because... Uh, a lot of a lot of children growing up with consoles a lot of them growing up with computers and smartphones so mm. actually having access to games is a lot easier is a lot easier for everybody and i think that will be the start of it you find that a few games actually seem to be surprisingly gender neutral things like minecraft have actually come up with a surprisingly even split between genders and you find that a lot of younger kids seem to play it so maybe we are starting to bring up a generation that is a bit more neutral when it comes to games it's hard to tell whether the female half of that will continue to play games as they grow up in which case we're slowly getting to the heart of the problem and starting to solve it but i think it comes down to a combination of how we treat people when we play games
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know if, if we keep shouting abuse at them it's going to be a slower process that's just kind of a fact um, and it just partially come down to the developers. I think when you have a look at a gaming shelf, when you walk into any game store, and you see a list of games that are all really strong, bulky males carrying the stereotypical guns, driving cars off into explosions, it just doesn't attract everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it is kind of a little bit down to developers to think, not necessarily we need to pitch some games for girls, because that always, always ends badly. Um, but just think, how are we going to reach? How are we going to reach a wider audience?
0: Mm. And um, in terms of being nice to each other online, do you feel that that has to start offline? Do you feel that there is um, steps to be made in educating people? Like, and then if so, does that role fall down to teachers or parents or like? How do we basically make people nicer to each other? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That feels like a far more loaded question than I originally kind of signed up for, but you know what, okay. Um, when it comes down to gaming, it's hard to say this should come down to teachers or education mm-hmm. because they don't necessarily teach games. Games are usually separated from education unless they are explicitly educational games. Mm-hmm. I could give you a whole other lecture on that one. but
0: I'm not talking specifically I about games, I'm saying just the behaviour that people exhibit in games... Um, come from behaviour that is taught or perhaps not challenged outside of the gaming sphere?
1: Actually, I I probably disagree with that a bit. I find that there are a lot of really pleasant people, mm. or at least seem pleasant to others, yeah. who will pick up a game for the first time or several times after and maybe get stuck a few times and then there's this really annoying person that just gets on your nerves or, or AI that doesn't work and you find them shouting at the screen suddenly they lose all control. <laughs> um, I, I think you can be a perfectly nice person in real life, but then lose it when you play a video game. <laughs> it's, it's a really amazing phenomenon. If you've ever <laughs> tried to give your parents a video game, you find that initially they're a bit sheepish, don't know the controls. Um, but if you leave it with them long enough and they stick with it long enough, occasionally you find they do it too. <laughs> yes.
0: To some extent, I think it's quite therapeutic to swear and shout at a screen.
1: I think I read an amazing comment, and it was about um, the Command & Conquer series. And that's more of a strategy-based game. Um, And in general, you go out, you gather resources, um, use those to build a base, you build an army, use that army to take down the other person. And there was a few comments when they had their latest release, and they had essentially changed the whole genre, but kept the series and therefore the loyal fans. And somebody said that all they wanted in this game... Um, was that they kind of came back from work, and they were a very quiet person, they never ruffled any feathers, they used to get very stressed, but bottled it all in, and then all they really wanted was to go home, build a massive base, army of mammoth tanks with lasers, and destroy mammoth another... tanks with yeah, lasers? Yeah, yeah, there are actually mammoth tanks, I don't think they have lasers. It <laughs> like, what? No,
0: it's a Roman game.
1: But no, 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 Red, um the Command & Conquer series, I think it's Red Alert 2, yeah. you can actually hire bear units and wolf units. And that can essentially make up your army. Okay. They're, they're a very diverse series, let's go with that. Yes. Um, but yeah, and he basically just said, all I want to do when I go home is let all that out. Like mm. he, he, I doubt he's one of those people that shouts at the screen, but there's a certain amount of satisfaction that you get, or you, you kind of change a little bit, or use it as an outlet. So I think that even even if we trained all of our children not to be absolute saints, that it's only natural for some of them to be a bit shouty or let themselves go a little bit when you they play a
0: game. They keep looking at me. I know I am one of those people. Well,
1: right in front of me, but yes, yes, I've yes, heard you through the content. walls.
0: Yes, even games like <laughs> City Skyline, they just don't use the subway properly and it's
1: just to me so say, frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair even I occasionally do it I just I've
0: heard you shout oh yeah of course cool. <laughs> yeah um, Liz and I live together if you didn't know
1: <laughs> I think it's perfectly natural and again if you're shouting at the game mm. that's a good way to kind of get it out of your system I think the issue occurs if you're shouting at people. other people yeah but you know what developers if you make a game the horrible AI that keeps driving me into the same wall um, then yes I'm going to shout
0: mm. <laughs> I will rage you on Twitter. <laughs> um, okay, so I've kept you for nearly 40 minutes. Wow. Um, so this will be my last question, and it's sort of a more reflexive one in some regards. Um, what advice would you give to people who want to follow in your footsteps? And then, semicolon. <laughs> um, do you feel that there is anything that a fema- female might have to do differently to a male who then wants to enter um, computer science or gaming?
1: You say following my footsteps. I feel as though I'm my footsteps haven't gone that far yet, personally. Um,
0: Every step's a success.
1: I think that the best advice to give is that if it's something that you're interested with, just go with it. There are a lot of points in my life where I could have said, well, all of my friends are doing this subject it is a bit daunting to kind of be in a class with all guys and I know it of course varies depending on what school you're in your environment but at the end of the day if it's something you're interested in I would definitely say pursue it I've found that occasionally being the only female on the room has given a certain amount of perspective to some of our team talks Uh, it has it's especially in my A-level years and years before that made some of the guys behave Uh, actually become a bit more (laughs) well-behaved but maybe that was just me being a bit um, naggy at the time (laughs) but I believe that if it's something you're interested with and to be honest this applies with any subjects but for females in computer science in particular you will come across a few issues with feeling that this may not be the right path for you or that there are easier options out there or that it's just a bit uncomfortable Find male friends in the class makes a world of difference and just keep going. And then you'll actually come into an industry where you may only be the only female in your workplace, but you can then go into schools, you'll have plenty of opportunities and speak to them. I've signed up for several different volunteering schemes, usually just to go and teach because I think it's quite nice for them to see a female, even if it's just at university level, that's actually doing this and is interested in this. I think it just makes it feel a bit more acceptable for somebody who's of a younger age.
0: Mm. And slowly over time we can work to eradicate this idea that females don't belong.
1: Yes, but I believe that progress causes more progress. And therefore the more females we get in, the more we'll influence younger females. And eventually we could actually start to close this gap.
0: Fantastic. So you feel that there is hope?
1: Oh yes, definitely. That's what I'm striving for now.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time, Liz. Oh, thanks.
1: It's been a pleasure.
0: And I hope that um, you as the listener have found this enlightening. And if you are interested in computer science at all, just go for it. Just do it. Because there shouldn't ever be any um, issues of gender holding you back. Anyway, yeah, thank you very much, Liz. And hopefully we'll speak to you again at some point in the future.
1: Cool. Thank you.